Biden regime goes after Trump's attorneys personally. Trump again appeals for calm and a tribute to the late, great Vin Scully. It's all coming up on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 217 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious. The last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, on our last episode, I played some audio from Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson when he went on a program called State of the Union with CNN, and he's talking about how we have to back the FBI the same way we back our local police force because it's all law enforcement, and they're wonderful. And let's wait and see what their uh, motivation was for the unprecedented raid of the home of a former president. I told you. The governor of Arkansas, Azach, is a bad guy. Republicans in the state legislature passed a law spring of last year outlawing castrating children, outlawing puberty blockers, outlawing either chemical or surgical castration, and Aza Hutchinson vetoed it, went on Tucker Carlson's show, lied about it, said Walmart had nothing to do with it. Turns out they had a lot to do with it. Anyway. So Monday night, Tucker Carlson's back from vacation. He said, no honest person thinks the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago was legit. I'm like, nope, there you go. Did I call it or did I call it? Now, I wish I could play his whole monologue, but it's 26 minutes long, and then it would be the Tucker Carlson show, not the Doc Washburn show. But I do have a couple of clips. I do have a couple of clips. And I hope that you will go online and watch the whole thing if you didn't watch it on television. Douglas Mackey may have been the first victim of the new authoritarianism, but he was hardly the last one. 
Over the last 18 months, virtually every significant figure in the orbit around Donald Trump has been swept up by Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. Their homes raided, their personal communications seized and leaked to the media. Some have been arrested and thrown in jail. Donald Trump's lawyers are the primary targets. Today, the DOJ subpoenaed Eric Hirschman. He represented Trump during the first impeachment. Hirschman never worked in the White House counsel's office. The Biden administration is going after him anyway because he gave legal advice to his client, Donald Trump. They used to be allowed. People used to be allowed to have lawyers and speak to them privately, but that's not allowed anymore. That's why the CIA seized attorney-client records from Mar-a-Lago. It's also why the DOJ is now directly targeting Trump's most prominent personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. For years, the feds have been going after Giuliani's associates, including a man called George Dixon. Dixon was working on a documentary about Hunter Biden. Last year, the FBI raided his home in California. The feds also broke into Giuliani's own apartment, as well as his office in New York. Then the FBI targeted a Giuliani associate called Igor Fruman, because he dug up evidence of misconduct by Joe Biden in Ukraine. They sent Fruman to prison. Then the FBI seized the phone of prominent conservative attorney Victoria Tenzing. She'd worked with Giuliani in 2020 to investigate election fraud. They raided her home. Today, the DOJ announced that Giuliani himself is a target of a federal investigation. Um, they also targeted the guy who was uh, U.S. Assistant Attorney General for the Civil Division of the Justice Department from September 2020 to January 2021, Jeffrey Clark. He is scheduled to be on my program Thursday. If you want to listen live, because most people listen you know, after the fact, they download the podcast or go to docwashburn.com or whatever. But if you want to listen live, it will be at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, Thursday. Another clip from uh, Tucker Carlson, Monday Night Show. It's just something unprecedented and something awful. You can feel it. Even Donald Trump feels it. Maybe for the first time in his life, Donald Trump seems sincerely interested in lowering the temperature. Not just for his own sake, but for the country's. He said that. He's never said anything like that. Maybe he doesn't mean it. But when has he ever said that? Let's all calm down a little, he said the other day. This isn't good. Yeah, he's right. It's not good, and not just for him, for all of us. This could get very bad, very fast. And the Biden people know that perfectly well. They know what could happen if they continue down this path of using law enforcement to cling to power. But they don't care, because they're facing a repudiation from voters, and they're desperate, and they'll do anything. But at what cost? Pray they pull back before it's too late. That'd be nice. I remember when uh, President Trump called for calm. It was after there was some violence at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, and he went out and called for calm. He called for people to calm down, be peaceful, and go home. And if I recall correctly, his short little video saying just that was deleted by the folks in charge of Twitter almost immediately. I think Facebook, YouTube, probably everybody kind of wiped it out uh, down the memory hole. Down the memory hole. So let's talk about this. What is going on here? Mike Davis 
who used to work for Senator Chuck Grassley when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He helped him vet judicial nominees. He now has something called the Article 3 Project, and he's scheduled to be on my program a week from Thursday. He's out there a few hours ago on Twitter saying, Attorney General Merrick Garland's spin is incoherent. He claims Trump's declassified records could have seriously damaged our national security. They were somehow in danger of leaking. Yet Garland, according to new press accounts, deliberated for weeks and then sent in a brigade of 30 FBI agents. Remember when, uh, if you've heard the previous episode, the episode I did 24 hours ago, the governor of Arkansas was acting like the FBI was trying to show restraint when they raided Mar-a-Lago. Really? Really, Asa? Nobody's buying what you're selling, bro. Nobody is buying what you're selling. The great Darren J. Beatty over at Revolver.News has a new article, January 6th, Pipe Bomber's Mechanical Timer Detonates Fed-Surrection Lie. Are you ready for this? Because this is a big deal. All right, so what he says is, Revolver's latest bombshell is about the January 6th pipe bomb, not about Ray Epps. Nonetheless... Epps makes an incredible cameo appearance in the piece that is so astonishing I feel compelled to draw special attention to it. The significance of Ray Epps in relation to the pipe bomb comes up in relation to a recent report from the Epoch Times. Now, according to that report, Epps told the FBI that he traveled from Arizona all the way to Washington, D.C. on January 6th because he was concerned bombs would go off and he wanted to provide, quote, first aid, unquote, according to documents obtained by Epoch Times. Remember we were talking about this recently? Ray Epps told the FBI he was afraid bombs would go off on the side streets from the Capitol on January 6th. Ray Epps was not just the only person repeatedly urging people to go into the Capitol as early as the day before, January 5th. He also, according to this interview with the FBI, claims to have had some sort of advanced knowledge or intuition that bombs would be planted on side streets near the Capitol. And sure enough, pipe bombs were found on January 6th, only blocks away from the Capitol. And their discovery was timed perfectly to coincide with the initial breach of the west side of the Capitol at 12.53 p.m. Eastern, of which Ray Epps appears to have been a key orchestrator. Now, you would think 
this would be enough for the FBI to at least detain Epps for further questioning. Remarkably, however, the Epic Times piece indicates the FBI didn't even think to ask Epps about the pipe bombs. Okay, okay. So let's get this straight. Ray Epps, one of the first 20 people put on the FBI most wanted list for January 6th, the only person caught urging people to go into the Capitol as early as the day before, just indicates advanced knowledge or intuition that there would be bombs on side streets. It turns out that pipe bombs discovered on side streets just blocks from the Capitol, and their discovery was almost perfectly timed to coincide with the attack on the Capitol perimeter that Ray Epps was involved in, and the FBI doesn't even think to even ask Ray Epps about the pipe bombs. The same FBI, Federal Bureau of Intimidation, that presents itself to public as desperate for any information that could crack the pipe bomber mystery. Well, why didn't Stephen D'Antuono, director of the FBI D.C. field office and public face of pipe bomb investigation, have his agents ask Ray Epps, what made him think there would be bombs on side streets? I can't answer that question other than to emphasize that Mr. D'Antuono's previous job was running the Detroit FBI field office where he oversaw the disastrous Michigan kidnapping entrapment hoax. Remember that? Remember Senator Ted Cruz asking Chris Ray about this? A week and a half ago when something like this. Recently, there was the case against individuals charged with kidnapping and murdering Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. That case ended up an absolute debacle where the four people who went to trial, two of them were acquitted, two received mistrials. None of them were convicted on even a single charge, and the basis of the defense was entrapment, that the FBI that paid enforcements for the FBI had suggested and had incited the conduct. Let me ask you, how many FBI agents were disciplined or reprimanded after that disastrous case and the misconduct that led to every defendant being acquitted or having a mistrial on every charge? Uh, Senator, I can't comment on a personal matter. I can tell you that that case, as I understand it, is now pending a, uh, a retrial, as I understand it. Well, the special agent in charge of that case has now been sent to D.C., to the Washington, D.C. office, and now leads the investigation regarding January 6th. Is that correct? That doesn't sound right to me. That does not sound right. The, the, the name of the individual is Stephen D'Antuno. He was, he was run out of the FBI Detroit field office. And by the way, I will point out that the lead investigator, Special Agent Track, are you aware that he was apparently fired for allegedly beating his wife after coming home from a swingers party and he'd made multiple derogatory political posts about President Trump showing political bias? Are you aware of that? 
I am aware of, I think, the incident you're describing uh, and action that was taken about it. Uh, to clarify, on the first part of your question, uh, Mr. D'Antuano was the special agent in charge of the office, uh, the Detroit field office, and is now the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office. I thought you were asking about the agent who was responsible for the So the guy in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation. The guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington field office. That is astonishing. First, he said he was assistant director of the uh, Washington field office, and then at the end he said he's the director of the Washington field office. That's also astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. See, I was wondering this myself. When I shared with you in a previous episode, the Epic Times article about Ray Epps, and he was just dropping these bombshells, dropping these bombshells on the FBI, and they weren't asking any follow-up questions. You know what I'm saying? All right, so I'm looking at um, I'm looking a little bit more at Darren J. Beatty's timeline. Apparently, the judge who signed off on the Mar-a-Lago search warrant yesterday, well, yesterday, a week ago now, is the same judge who presided over. Douglas Mackey's trial, also known as Ricky Vaughn. All right. We got to find out who that is real quick because it seems to be. This is probably one of those January 6th guys. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I get it. This was a guy who was doing memes. He's they, they they want to throw him in in jail for doing memes. Eugene Volok, February ninth, twenty twenty one, over at tabletmag.com says. In twenty sixteen, the Florida man named Douglas Mackey, using the online alias Ricky Vaughn allegedly conspired to distribute a meme aimed at deceiving pro-Hillary voters. Four years later, Mackey was being prosecuted as to this and as to other memes for violating 18 U.S. Code 241, a federal law that punishes conspiracies to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution, namely the right to vote. Lying to voters in a way that keeps them from voting, the theory goes, is a crime. Is this sort of prosecution constitutional? After all, people often lie in political campaigns. Candidates do it. Activists do it. Political operatives do it. Can election lies simply be outlawed? Surprisingly, the Supreme Court has never resolved the question. So, they're, they're prosecuting him, and the judge signed off on it. The same judge that signed off on the search warrant for Mar-a-Lago. Prosecute a guy for 
doing memes. So Darren J. Beatty links to the Give, Send, Go Legal Defense Fund for Douglas Mackey. If you want to take a look at that. Um, so you can't do... Um, you got to do Give, Send, Go because if you do... Um, I can't remember the name of the other one. A lot of times they'll just cut you off. They find out you're conservative. They will just cut you off. Tucker Carlson said he called out the DOJ's persecution of Douglas Massey over memes and the conservatives who remained silent about his case. Here's a quote. So whatever you think of his memes, Douglas Mackey's freedom of speech was very much worth defending. Yep. That's true. See, that you know, when a government is hurtling towards dictatorship, they want to cut off people's free speech. You know what I'm saying? And again, I take you back to the great Sean Davis over the Federalists. Biden's corrupt Attorney General Merrick Garland is going to use a corrupt D.C. grand jury taken from a pool of 95% hardcore Democrat partisans to indict Trump. He'll then use a corrupt D.C. trial jury from the same rigged pool to convict Trump. Democrats want a constitutional crisis, so buckle up. Buckle up. Darren J. Beatty also says Stephen D'Antuono is in over his head. You can see it in his face, in his body language. He is not someone like Merrick Garland, who is a seasoned crook and well accustomed to carrying the darkest secrets on his shoulders. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, do you know who Cheryl Atkinson is? She was a she was an investigative reporter for years for CNN and then CBS, and now she does a Sunday morning independent show called um, Full Measure. And she's suing the government because the FBI was allegedly breaking laws going after her and her husband. And so I'll tell you what she's accusing them of having tried to do here in a moment. But first, thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, 
you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thanks so much again to our friends, our advertisers, Mitch Ward at RedRiverYourWay.com and, of course, Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones Financial Advisors. We appreciate you guys so much. Appreciate you. Couldn't do, couldn't do what we do here five times a week without our, without our advertisers, who, of course, are also our friends. Um, Victor Davis Hanson. Victor Davis Hanson. Brilliant. Brilliant. An historian who's written many books, but writes books so people like you and me can read them. His IQ is off the chart, a lot higher than mine. And yet he speaks in ways that we can understand and writes in ways that we can understand. Whenever I'm walking through the living room, my wife's got the news on. Victor Davis Hanson comes up. I sit down. I say, could you please turn that up a little bit? I've got to hear what he had to say. So 
He was on Fox. And he said, FBI is beyond redemption. Never thought I'd say that. It's less than five minutes long. If I feel like I need to interject something, I will. But the great Victor Davis Hanson, author of many, many books, A War Like No Other, which is about the Peloponnesian War. He also wrote The Second World Wars. Well, they're afraid in the short term, but in long term, they believe they're morally superior to America, and therefore any means necessary are justifiable for their morally superior ends. He's talking about the Biden regime. Right now, we don't have the rule of law in Washington. Whether you're targeted or exempt depends on your ideology. So we, in the past, when there was, a, there was a dispute over the archives, the presidential papers, Barack Obama just said, I'm not going to turn them over, the freedom of information. He spent $30 million resisting efforts to do that. George Bush had an executive order and said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And that was adjudicated. And now we go after a president and go to his house with 30 agents. In the past, when uh, a high official was called for a congressional subpoena, Eric Holder just said, I'm not going, and I'm not turning over any of this fast and furious. The idea that you would put him in shackles or you'd confront him with his family and grab his phone is just ridiculous. But this is what we're doing on ideological basis. And when you start to do that, you don't have a democracy anymore. And I don't think we do. The second thing is this January 6th committee will is sort of like a French Robespierre committee on public safety. To be on that committee, you have to have one criteria, and you had to vote to impeach Donald Trump. If you're a Republican, there was one other qualification. You had to be politically inert with no future. And Okay, Robespierre was uh, one of the guys of the French Revolution that really got the ball rolling with uh, sending people to, de- to the guillotine. He eventually... Wound up losing his head. By the way, I didn't forget about Cheryl Ackerson. I will play you what she said. Actually, I did forget, but now I remember it. I will play you what she said after we listen to the rest of Victor Davis Hanson. It was deductive. It started with the premise that we're going to destroy Donald Trump, and then we're going to bring in witnesses, and we're going to allow narratives to that end. There's going to be no cross-examination. There's going to be no disinterested counsel. We know that when Dick Cheney himself made a commercial, and he bragged about his daughter that she was the one power that could stop Donald Trump. But that's not what her job is on that committee. It's to be disinterested. It's to be inductive. It's to find out what happened on January 6th, not start with a boast that you're going to destroy Donald Trump and make the witnesses and the testimony fit that. And and finally, I, I never thought I would say this. The FBI is beyond redemption. It, it's all of its bureaus and its institutions have to be farmed out and broken up. That's it. That's it. Guy's a lot smarter than I am. Here's more. If you have a warrant, an FBI warrant, there's no guarantee that that has not been altered. If you subpoena and you want FBI records on phones with a Mueller, they will be wiped clean. If you want disinterested legal counsel, look at Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. 
If you're the FBI and you want to find out why Hillary Clinton has hired a foreign national to find dirt on a political opponent, then you will hire that same foreign national. And you look at the last four directors. We just saw Christopher Wray, and he just stonewalled every question, and then he flew on an FBI plane, our plane, a luxury jet, because he had to go to his own vacation spot. He took over, remember, from Andrew McCabe. What did he do? He lied four times to federal investigators, and his wife was running for an office with Clinton-related PAC money while he was investigating Hillary Clinton's email scandal. He took over from James Comey, who leaked confidential memos written on FBI devices to the media, and then when he was called before Congress on 245 occasions, he said he didn't know or didn't remember. Anybody listening to this tries out with the IRS and they're going to go to jail. And he took over from Robert Mueller, whose entire special counsel case was based on two premises. The information that was false in the Steele dossier and the shenanigans of the Clinton-hired GPS uh, disinformation firm. And when he was asked specifically, he said under oath he knew nothing about either entity. And so this is very ironic because all of this is destroying this country. And it comes from the people who warned us, democracy dies in darkness. And they have descended upon us the greatest cloud of autocracy and illiberality in the history of this republic. And uh, we're going to have to that we're going to have to do something and hope and pray that the House is under new leadership. And then it will be up to Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans, as you say, to reply in kind. I don't want to live in a country where Kevin McCarthy tears up the State of the Union address as soon as Joe Biden gives it. I don't want to live necessarily in a country when Kevin McCarthy says no squad member is going to be on any House committee or Mitch McConnell is going to go to the Supreme Court and yell about Supreme Court justices. But that's what we're at. And let's pray to God the Republicans can save us. That's uh, that's pretty deep. That's pretty strong. Now, when you hear politicians say, well, the American people are on to this. The American people aren't fooled. Um, I always give a caveat with that. Well, the American people who are paying attention are on to it. The American people who are paying attention aren't fooled. But there are millions of people in this country right now who have no idea that Biden's DOJ sent Biden's FBI to raid Trump's home in Florida. No idea. Now, the ones who are paying attention know, but never assume everybody else knows what you know, okay? I'm just saying. So, we have we have a hearing and this is um, something Lenny Dykstra of all people put up, former baseball player. But you got Cheryl Ackerson, an investigative reporter, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, investigative reporter. On one side of the room, the other side of the room, you have uh, Florida Congressman Matt Gates and Texas Congressman 
Louis Gohmert, and this may shock you. But uh, let me turn the volume up here, and we'll get it going. Are too long to be able to clear those matters up. May may I say um, one little reported facet of my case is one of the federal agents involved in one of the operations against me said that they intended to plant child porn in my husband's computer. This is the FBI. There's been a case um, that's currently in litigation unrelated in which an FBI agent has testified that they did that. They have done that. It was not accomplished in my case. I guess the the curtain was drawn on that facet of the operation prior to them doing it. But imagine how you ever get out of that. How you, they, they knew we had a young daughter at home and had allegedly conspired to do that. So what do you think about your FBI now? She's not lying. Oh, no. She's not lying. Just so you know. Female Olympic athletes athletes were complaining to the FBI that uh, Dr. Larry Nasser was sexually assaulting them, and they didn't do anything about it. What do you think about your FBI now? I could go on and on. Tom Winter, NBC News correspondent for investigations, says... Out there on Twitter, federal prosecutors ask judge to keep Trump's search warrant affidavit sealed, quote, to protect the integrity of an ongoing law enforcement investigation that implicates national security, unquote. The great Sean Davis over the Federalist responds, DOJ doesn't want anyone to see their FBI raid homework for the same reason they didn't want anyone to see the Steele dossier or the Carter Page FISA warrants or the Trump Ukraine transcript. They're all based on delusional lies and outright fraud by deranged left-wing activists. But see, people like um, Arkansas Rhino Governor Aza Hutchinson want you to forget all about the FBI's track record. Oh no, no, you gotta, you gotta trust them. It's like back in the blue, man. It's just like back in your local police department, your local sheriff's office. Yeah. All right. Let me let me go. Let me go back to Ray Epps. And concerned about the bombs again because former assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeff Clark is scheduled to be on my program at noon Eastern Thursday. He's on Twitter now saying, come on, let me, let's all of us get this straight. There's a guy, Ray Epps. On video, urging people to go into the Capitol on January 5th and January 6th, 2021. He even recognized he might be arrested for it. 
He's also at the first breach point of the security perimeter. perimeter. Why is that hard to say? Now comes out Ray Epps knew in advance a bomb was on a side street. He was on the FBI most wanted list, but quietly was taken off of it. He makes lawyerly claims about not being a federal agent. Plus, he's the only one the New York Times does a puff piece on. That's very, very reassuring, isn't it? Now, I want to go over to Ian McKelvey. Ian McKelvey, a great independent journalist over there on Twitter, he says, first of all, he's doing a thread about Hillary Clinton's emails, okay? So the first one he starts off with, He says, here, Hillary Clinton orders a subordinate to remove classified meetings from sensitive documents. Thereby allowing them to be sent through non-secure channels. This is a clear violation of the law. Did the FBI raid her home? No, no. Hillary Clinton was caught with a private, non-secure email server that contained classified information. Did the FBI raid her home? Oh, no, no, no. Hillary Clinton intentionally mishandled classified documents and information. Did the FBI raid her home? No, 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 no. Hillary Clinton destroyed data and information that was under subpoena. Did the FBI raid her home? Uh Uh-uh. No. Deleted 33,000 emails. Destroyed cell phones by breaking them in half or hitting them with a hammer. Hillary Clinton purposefully destroyed the contents of a private, non-secure server that contained classified information. Did the FBI raid her home? Nope. So what crime could Trump possibly be guilty of? Oh, well, he's a Republican. How did Hillary Clinton evade prosecution? Uh, She's a Democrat. It's just that simple. And in light of that, are we supposed to trust anything the FBI and DOJ have to say? No, they are leftist operatives. The FBI does what it wants and shapes and contours America's political landscape the way they think it should be. Are they ever held accountable? No, quite unlike their political adversaries. Now remember, because David Asman over at Fox Business Network, he has FBI Attorney Kevin Kleinsmith pled guilty to altering material sent to FISA judges in the Russian hoax. That's why we need to see affidavit FBI sent to judge who okayed raid on Trump. With FBI, it's become trust but verify. Well, no, no trusting. No trusting. Kevin Kleinsmith lied 
and hardly even got a slap on the hand. Again, Ian McKelvey says, the FBI does what it wants. It shapes and contours America's political landscape the way they think it should be. Are they ever held accountable? No. Quite unlike their political adversaries. Hillary's emails with top-secret information stored on an unsecured server. Well, the liberal mainstream media call that a right-wing witch hunt. Donald Trump's boxes of paper files stored in a locked room, well, they say that's part of his efforts to steal nuclear weapons. Remember when Hillary said, did I wipe my personal servers? You mean like with a cloth? Imagine. Just imagine if Donald Trump had said something like that. No, no. Not a chance. Not a chance. Frank Miel, retired editor of the Daily Interlake in Kalispell, Montana, columnist for Real Clear Politics, has a new book out called What Matters Most, God, Country, Family, and Friends. His latest article, Real Clear Politics, is entitled The FBI is Now the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. And here's what he has to say. Nothing symbolizes the decline of the American Republic better than the weaponization of justice that we saw last week when the FBI raided the home of former President Trump. And nothing better represents the divide that now exists between Democrats and Republicans than the fact that some people still have faith in the FBI. Aren't they paying attention? Heck, that's like a citizen of the old Soviet Union saying they had faith in the KGB. Yeah. Had faith in the KGB to crush dissent and lock up opponents of the regime in a Siberian gulag. Look, the evidence is overwhelming. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is now the Federal Bureau of Intimidation, or more appropriately, the Federal Intimidation Bureau, whose acronym would spell out FIB as in the big lie. Face it, nothing the FBI has said for the last six years since they joined with the Democrat Party to invent the Russian collusion hoax can be taken seriously. Is there any need to go through the whole laundry list of lies and fabrications that the FBI, with the aid and comfort of the Justice Department, has foisted on the American public? You can start with the extraordinary 2016 press conference when FBI Director James Comey detailed crimes committed by presidential candidate Hillary Clinton related to her improper use of a private email account to store classified material moments after saying she had broken the law Comey announced with a straight face that no reasonable prosecutor would ever bring a case against her. Yeah, because she was a Democrat. A couple months later, Comey set up President Trump's national security advisor, General Michael Flynn, by sending agents to interview him about his supposed contracts with contacts with Russians. Bill Priestep, FBI agent, wrote in a mem- memo before the interview, what is our goal, truth, admission, or to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired? Now, Priestap was counterintelligence director at the FBI 
and became evident later the agency's goal was indeed to get Michael Flynn fired, and more important, get to get Trump impeached, fired, humiliated, you name it. James Comey himself admitted the FBI targeted Mike Flynn and chose not to approach him through the White House legal counsel, but informally with a direct phone call to arrange an interview. As Comey later told a reporter, it was, quote, something I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized administration, unquote. Now, what about the FBI's abuse of Carter Page and George Papadopoulos? The agency made up evidence in support of subpoenas, FISA warrants, whatever it took to get the desired result. What about the FBI and Department of Justice targeting parents at school boards as domestic terrorists because they demanded that their elected representatives actually represent them? What about the unilateral rescission of executive privilege and attorney-client privilege wherever it would have protected President Trump and his advisors. The purpose of all of this activity, along with the raid at Mar-a-Lago, was to intimidate not just Trump, but also his supporters. Anyone other than Donald Trump would have given up long ago. Who could possibly withstand the power of the state marshaled against you for six long years? through multiple FBI investigations, through two impeachments, through relentless persecution of your children and your friends and family. Finally, what about the double standard that allows Democrats and their government allies to go unpunished for a multitude of sins? Notwithstanding Attorney General Merrick Garland's feigned indignation on behalf of the Bureau, what about the FBI agents who lied repeatedly during the Trump-Russia investigation, sometimes under oath? Even more stunning has been the FBI's monumental failure to investigate presidential son Hunter Biden, even though it received his laptop with extensive incriminating evidence of criminal activity in late 2019. Even when the laptop was made public during the 2020 presidential election, the FBI stood silent and thus gave tacit approval to the cynical Democrat Party talking point that the laptop was somehow a GOP dirty trick. It would be interesting to know if the FBI had anything to do with a letter signed by 51 national security experts falsely claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, maybe like Comey before him. FBI Director Chris Wray thought he could get away with it. That's certainly the only expectation for the raid on President Trump's personal residence. It was not appropriate. It was not reasonable. It had no precedent. The FBI claims that the pre-dawn raid by more than 30 armed agents was for the purpose of collecting presidential papers that the National Archive wanted. Washington Post says Trump reportedly had documents with nuclear secrets on them, and the legacy media went ballistic with the story. Wait a minute. Isn't that the same Washington Post that won a Pulitzer Prize for collaborating with the FBI to invent the Russia collusion hoax? Don't believe a word from either the Washington Post or the FBI. Trump had been cooperating with the National Archive and had already turned over 15 boxes of documents 
all of which he could have made a claim to legally possess instead of turnover. If they wanted papers turned over, they could have gone through Trump's lawyers. No, no, no. They wanted the spectacle. They wanted the sizzle. They wanted the headlines. This was not about the rule of law. It was about the rule of the schoolyard. Bullies get what they want through force and intimidation, and there is no reason for any of us to believe that the raid had any purpose other than to intimidate Donald Trump into backing down from his plans to run for president in 2024. Essentially, what the FBI was saying is, we know where you live and we aren't afraid to come for you. They even rifled through Melania Trump's closet as if she might have been hiding top-secret documents in her hat box. When do we find out When do we find out they also spent an hour sorting through her lingerie? This is sickening. No matter how much MSNBC and the Washington Post want you to think you can still trust the FBI, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me over and over and over again. And I must be a Democrat. That's Frank Miel. His new article at realclearpolitics.com is entitled The FBI is now the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Once again, we want to say thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible to do what we do here five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American health care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thanks so much to my friends, doctors, J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. They're not only my friends, my advertisers, they're my doctors. Appreciate y'all. They have been such a help to me and my wife and so many people, so many people that we know. All right, now, I think it's about time to say, hit it, Brian. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Release in freedom. Including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to, online, have it delivered to your front door. Anywhere in the continental United States. Okay, a hat tip to Rich Eisen, the great uh, uh, sports talk host, Rich Eisen, who recently strung together a whole bunch of tweets of some of the greatest hits of Vin Scully. Vin Scully, the Dodgers play-by-play guy for 66 years, started when they were in Brooklyn and then went on to L.A. And, man, some of the stuff, some of the stuff he called, and not just baseball, but some of the stuff he called. Kirk Gibson, walk-off home run to win the first game of the 1988 World Series. Oh, my goodness. There there, there will never be another Vince Scully. There's nobody like him. And look who's coming up. And all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. He's trying to catch lightning right now. Three and two. Um, for those of you who may not be sports fans or may not be baseball fans, I hope you can put up with it. For those of you who are, there's an old saying, if you know, you know. Now, something I didn't realize until recently is that Vin Scully did not just call baseball. There also sometimes he called NFL football. And there was a huge moment in NFL football in the NFC Championship game in January of 1982. They called it the catch. Montana to Dwight Clark. Third and three. The right side, possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Six four, 
He stands about 10 feet tall in this crowd's estimation. Wow. Wow. The late great Vin Scully. Game six, the 1986 World Series, Boston Red Sox. It's the New York Mets. And um, first baseman for the Boston Red Sox, Bill Buckner, made an error that caused them the game. He's playing first base, and somehow or another, the ball a little ground, grounder goes between his legs and out into right field. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Mookie Wilson, it's just a little grounder, a little roller. Should have been easy to, to field. 99 times out of 100, Buckner probably would have gotten it. But instead, goes through his legs out into right field. And Ray Knight circles around and uh, comes in home, and the, and the Mets win the next last game there of the uh, of the World Series. What else do we have? Oh, uh, an example. Talk about a broadcaster. A broadcaster. I don't know how he did it, but. Vin Scully had the ability to tell a story about a guy who was up at the plate trying to get a hit, and um, it seemed like whenever Vin would tell one of these stories, there's no way this guy was going to get a hit on the first pitch. Vin would do the play-by-play, interspersing it, With the actual story, I don't, I don't know how he did it. So this was a uh, an Atlanta Braves game. Atlanta Braves are playing the Dodgers, and there was a guy named Johnny Gomes, who played for the Braves. And uh, so Johnny Gomes is 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 at the plate. And as he would swing and miss, or uh, as he would uh, not swing because the ball was outside or whatever, Vin Scully keeps on telling this uh, this story from Johnny Combs, Johnny Gomes' uh, childhood. And I don't know how in the world he did. Well, I just got to play it for you. It's less than two minutes long. Johnny, to make the understatement of the day has had a very tough life. We can give you maybe one or two stories. We don't want to get into too much of the privacy area. Let's start when he was 12. He was doing work on his grandmother's house, and a hired hand showed up with a wolf on a leash. Here's the 2-0 pitch, 2-1-1. Anyway, Johnny loved dogs. He had never owned one, though he had no idea about how serious a wolf might be. So he walked up to the wolf, and the men hollered at him, No, it's a real wolf. Don't pet it. 
the 2-1 pitch in. Yeah, well, the man ties up the wolf, goes around the corner to mend the fence, and Johnny goes back to the wolf, saying something like, oh, I'll talk to him, and it'll be great. And the wolf attacks him, has knocked him down on his chest, just about ready to devour him. 2-2 pitch, check swing, no swing, ball three. Johnny suddenly, totally and completely relaxed. He was done. He knew it. And whatever he did by relaxing, the wolf decided, "Uh uh-huh, I don't have a rival here. And the wolf got off his chest. Johnny got up and walked away. Ground ball by the diving Turner. And the base hit by Johnny Gomes. So a one-out single left by the wolf man. It's like the batter is waiting for the story to be over. And, of course, that's impossible. The batter has no idea what the play-by-play announcer up in the booth is saying. But it's just uncanny how uh, <laughs> how Vin Scully was able to pull that off. Now, again... If you're not a baseball fan, I I appreciate you bearing with us. But for those of us who are, and those of us who remember the late, great Hank Aaron, and the fact that there was what, was thought to be a record that could never be beaten in Major League Baseball. Babe Ruth had the record for career home runs. Babe Ruth, who played with the Yankees in the 20s and the 30s, had hit 714 home runs. And for decades, nobody thought that record would ever be beat. And you know, in the late 60s, when uh, this young man, Henry Aaron, they called him Hammer and Hank for the Atlanta Braves, he passed 500 home runs and he passed 600 home runs and a lot of us kids got pretty excited. And the old folks were like, no, 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 no. That's no, that's that's a bridge too far. He's not going to make it. What we didn't know at the time, because, again, remember now, this is the old South, late 60s, early 70s, was Hank Aaron was getting uh, death threats, hate mail, racist stuff. You know, that, that was not publicized until much later. But um, he, uh, he did finally he did finally beat Babe Ruth's all-time all-time home run record. And um, 
It was just remarkable, and I watched it. I watched it live. And it was just just remarkable. And since the Braves happen to be playing the, in the Los Angeles Dodgers, Vin Scully got to call the game. So, yeah, it was... Um, April 8th, 1974, Al Downing pitching for the uh, L.A. Dodgers. And Vin Scully was quite aware of what a big deal this was in the Deep South, where less than 10 years earlier there were places that black folks weren't allowed to go. Here was this young black man breaking this all-time home run record of Bay Ruth. And the whole stadium going nuts. And with something like this. And stay a professional and pitch his game. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. forget it. Of course, I didn't hear Vin Scully's uh, version of it because um, I wasn't watching, didn't have the ability to watch the Dodgers broadcast. So I was watching the uh, the Braves broadcast, Milo Hamilton. So I got one more. 
I got one more. Dick Enberg, NBC Sports, was interviewing Vin Scully as both of their careers were winding down towards the end of the 2016 baseball season. And uh, it was remarkable. And so at, uh, towards the end, it, 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 it went something like this. How can I phrase this? What are you going to miss most about uh, this opportunity, or what have you enjoyed most about being a broadcaster? I, I, I love people, really, whether they're players, whether they're people who run the elevator, the guys I work with here in the booth I absolutely adore. So I'm going to miss people, not just players, not just the game, people and the roar of the crowd. Those are the things that I will, and I know I'll miss it. I mean, for sure you're going to yeah. miss what you've done all these years, but it's like missing that I wish I was 16 again. You know, that's not going to happen. So I will just take people and the roar of the crowd and the love of the game. That'll be enough to fill my belly for the rest of my life. Well, we're going to miss Vin Scully. And uh, on behalf of the fans throughout uh, the nation and the world, uh, you've helped us all to love this beautiful game all the more. And for a broadcaster, the inspiration you've given all of us, uh, how can we thank you enough? Well, bless your heart. God's been so generous. I don't know why but he has been, will be, I pray, in the future. And I love you and all my other pals in this crazy business and, and bless you for all your good thoughts. And congratulations on a magnificent career. I didn't you. cry at Cooperstown. I, mean, I didn't yeah, cry. You did very well. I was waiting to see. No crying at Cooperstown. Cooperstown, Pennsylvania is uh, where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. So they were both longtime sportscasters. But um, I was touched when Vince Scully said, God has been so good to me, and I don't know why, and I hope and pray that will continue. And recently, when he passed, I saw an interview, and when I was trying to do show prep for today's episode, I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked for it. I couldn't find it because I couldn't remember who it was who had interviewed him. I looked through my YouTube history. I, I couldn't find it anywhere. But towards the end of the interview, the young man was asking, wise old Vin Scully, if you're in a foxhole, who's the one person you would want in that foxhole with you? He said, Jesus Christ. And uh, that caught me off guard because I'm not used to hearing people be that outspoken about their faith in the secular marketplace before the watching world. Who's the one person you would want in the foxhole with you? He said, Jesus Christ. I agree. And I hope you do too. I certainly hope you do too. All right, again, coming up um, Thursday the 25th, we'll be talking to Mike Davis, the Article 3 Project. He used to work for Chuck Grassley, the Senate Judiciary Committee, coming up uh, this Thursday, the 18th, noon Eastern, 11 Central. Jeffrey Clark, former assistant 
U.S. Attorney General under Trump. I'm going to have some interesting questions. I hope you enjoy. You've been listening to Episode 217 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. And that's the way it is, Tuesday, August 16th, 2022.